I come out of church on Sunday, I'm ready to let's go put some things into practice this week. Let's be, let's see if we can really apply these things of some lessons I've learned. And I'm good for Monday. I'm solid on Tuesday. I'm solid on Wednesday. Starts to fade a little bit on Thursday, a little bit more on Friday. Ooh, Saturday, come on Sunday. I need you again. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm pretty intense. My guest today is Matthew McConaughey. You know, one of the words that comes through big time in the interview is, is humility. This word that he's tried to embody in a healthful balance that's not sort of like humble head down, not me. Confident and humble. He has a new book called Green Lights. You got to listen all the way to the end of the interview because um, I ask him what his next green light is. His answer, you'll have to wait and hear it, but his answer, I think, is sometimes what we all need to realize is our next green light. You've been busy on these podcasts, huh? I, I have been, yeah, um, <laughs> for about six weeks now, seven weeks probably. Well, um, I'm so curious, like that, I'm first thing I thought was, I was like, man, you've been doing a ton of these, is it is because it you like them or is it just part of the new scope of how you promote something? Well, I thought I would like them because they're long form. I do like a long form better than having to, you know, fit something in five minutes snippets. Yeah. Um, and then the book's doing well. And when it's doing well, I'm like, I didn't think I'd still be doing Zooms for it now. <laughs> I didn't I think it, so I said, I'm going to stay on this train as long as it's, it's as the books are selling. So um, well, that's, that's the funny thing about books is that if you're not promoting it, they just they don't sell as much. Right. Yeah, it's my first time into this. I mean, I will say, there's when we can go back and re-engage again, I'm I'm doing this. I prefer this 95% of the time. The other morning, I was on a Zoom in Italy at 8 a.m. I was on a Zoom in the UK at 9. I was on a Zoom in New York at, 10, at 11 and a Zoom in LA at um, 11. So yeah, Italy at 8, UK at 9. Uh, New York at 10, LA at 11, and then the 11 o'clock's over at 11.59, I say goodbye, and at 12 noon, I'm having lunch live with my family in Texas. I'm not going, I couldn't have done that. There's no yeah. way. Awesome. There are good things that have come from this year. Yeah, and I think, you know, this, this a lot of the whole world's going to, yeah, we are living in the future, I think, a little bit. I think some people are not going to go back and fully engage. I mean, yeah, we've got things here. My mom's with us. She's 88. So she gets to see her grandkids every day for the last eight months. That wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know, then kids are doubling down on sort of creative projects that they wouldn't have taken the time to do if they were back in school. Mm. Um, one's getting a little self-reliance, I hope. You know, they'll have, they've all, they've got a souvenir. 2020 will be a souvenir, a little tattoo for them for the rest of their life, you know? So. It is kind of interesting to think how all of this will affect kids because even something simple, like seeing my sister, she has three little girls and seeing them with like masks on and um, just the whole experience, like what kind of imprinting are they going to have from that aspect? Mm -hmm. And then also from the other side of it, which is like a lot of, you know, home time, family time, connection, like, like, I feel like 
you know, my sister and like probably every parent, you have to get creative and how you're going to even just spend time having fun and also how to teach them. Like everybody's a teacher now. It's, it's that generation. I'm super curious what, how this is going to, how this is going to shape them. You know, our kids have been born into an affluent situation with me and Camilla and our lifestyle. Well, little, little, uh, hardship that was non-negotiable pretty good pretty good deal pretty i think it'll be a pretty good deal you know um and i mean i have a lot of fr- a lot of parents that are friends of mine that, are, that that's their biggest worry oh my gosh it just breaks my heart for my kids they can't see the friend and my my gut is yeah i get it i get it, it's hard but i i they're they're more resilient than maybe we're giving them credit for i mean this will i think they're going to be be fine in some ways i think my kids will miss some of the intimacy that we've had, the two meals a day that we sit down and say grace before, where we used to maybe just only do one a day and that was dinner or the self-reliance. Hey, you set your, set your own alarm, cook your own breakfast and, you know, handle your school stuff and blah, blah, blah. intimidating at first, but now they're doing it like it's clockwork. Mm. So I don't know. I'm a big, I'm a big, I love self-reliance too. And I think, yeah, I think I like, I don't think you can get too big a doses of that too early. You said, I don't think some people are going to come back from this in the same, like some people aren't coming back. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I think I, I, what I mean by that is the way I think people, their relationship with the rest of the world, especially, I think business has changed forever. Um, I think where before COVID, if you and I, this was our meeting, it kind of meant one of us was dissing the other. Like, oh, it wasn't important enough for us to do it in person, mm-hmm. you know, but now we've done it. It's become the norm. So the taboo off of saying, Hey, let's remotely speak is off. And people are going to go, yeah, meet you tomorrow. Um, set up Zoom call or whatever that call, whatever that is. Um, and it's not dissing someone. It's the new norm. I think the companies are seeing how that actually a lot of companies are actually doing better now that their employees are working from home. They, the, they're seeing that, that employees are more adaptable. Um, I, my blind right now is sort of okay. We've proven right now that you got five G. Go live wherever you want to on the planet, in the rainforest if you want. Go where, go to whatever mountaintop. If you can get five G, you can be wherever you want to be mm. at any time. Um, in that way, I don't think it. it uh, that way, I think it will have it will have changed, and a lot of people are going to say once we can go back and be physically be in the same place again. A lot of people are going to go, no, thank. You. I'm good. I like, I, like, I prefer this. Um, I think about kind of the energetics of it too. And just how I feel like there's so much polarizing happening with, there's so many people that are like really into the fear and really concerned. And then there's sort of like a growing distance between that and, you know, the other landing spot, which is I'm just, you know, it's not part of my reality. Like it's not my daily thoughts. I don't revolve around it. I'm not really like, I'm kind of describing the way I think about it. I'm just, I don't really try and participate. I'm not participating. I'm just, I'm playing into it as much as I need to, to do what I want to do without any extra thought or energy. And then just like, I don't know, not watching the news. And there's also that energetic split too, of like not coming back. And I'm kind of curious about what you thought. Yeah. Um, well, and then, you know, it was the perfect storm this year. You know, I mean, you got COVID, you've got social unrest, you've got it all in an election year at a time when we were sitting here going, 
I really need to, does anyone have a consensus on who we can listen to? Who's on the group? <laughs> Everyone's going, not him, not her, not that place, not this media station, not the, and you're all going, oh, geez, so I got to work it out myself. And, you know, it, it, I think the private sector, all the way down to the individual, has more power and influence, self-determination than ever before right now. I think I think our, our leaders and even politics have a whole lot of redefining and declaring to do. <laughs> I think that's a broken business and going like I we've learned, okay, I don't most of us don't trust that. We're still in the midst of distrusting that right now um, in 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 our country, you know. Um yeah, I mean I've tried to lean into, you know, look this right here. In some ways you go, well, it's not as intimate. We're not in person. I don't know. I got a pretty good picture of you right now. <laughs> is, in, in some ways, is this more intimate? Because you're in your house. I didn't come, you and I didn't travel to a studio to go sit down, meet certain handlers, go hang out in a green room, do hair and makeup, meet a bunch of people, all set up to just have you and I sit down and someone go, action. But now I'm meeting you. You're at your home. I'm at my home. You see my background, I'm talking with you here. We didn't have to travel. We didn't have to handle a bunch of other stuff. I, I walked up, I just said, hug my kid 35 seconds before I am on the phone, on a Zoom, in a call with you. That's pretty cool and quite intimate. Mm. So it kind of makes me think of this whole like diminishing returns on your investment of time. Like we're getting it done, we're connecting, yes. but we're also able to do so many other things and such close time yes. proximity. Yep. There's an intimacy with, I can kind of see the palm tree in your backyard. <laughs> you know, you're, you're in my office with me, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Hmm. You know, I mean, think of it. It, it does, it has created time mm. to spend more time doing what maybe we should value more that we never gave ourselves the time to value more. I mean, we've been forced to be on top of family. And that ain't always easy, but Jesus, usually a pretty good thing to do by hook or by crook, you know. Mm. We've been, you know, we're, we're we're petting the pets longer. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're we're spending time, maybe a little more time with ourselves as well, which is always, I think, a good thing. Um, yeah. So it's been a forced winter, and yeah, tragic for so many, um, disruptive. But there's good there's good things that come out of the disruption, you know. You had time to sit down and reread all your journals and write a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually wrote it before the COVID came um, and was in the process of editing it. Um, but yeah, sure. I've had more time to, I've been writing more. Like what? In this last eight months, you know, um, finalizing this book, thinking about what's the next the next book that I want to write, what's it going to be about? How's it connected to green lights? How's it not? How's it separate? How's it different? It'll have a thread of connection, but being on eight weeks of touring the book and been able to crystallize some ideas and evolve some ideas that were in green lights, the book into, Oh, there's a next chapter of that approach. Yeah. Um, you know, that's been pretty cool, but I, but I'm, I'm told, I mean, maybe because of my job, I'm told I'm pretty adaptable that I'd like, you tell me, I, you tell me I got to stay home. I'm like, oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> okay, great. I got stuff to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? um, and I know it's not as easy for, for some people, but I'm like, 
like I said, it started off the call. In some ways, I will maintain ways that I go about my daily life, even after I'm free to roam. Yeah. In some ways, I'll, I'll maintain what I've changed uh, during COVID. Well, I think what comes across, like as I'm preparing for this and I've got your book and I'm watching things and I got picked up the book and within the first, within the intro, I have three pages of legal pad notes. I'm like every paragraph, there's uh, a question I want to ask. Every page has something quotable. Like it's just so dense of information and such uh such depth and such insight and such experience and opinions. And I, I, I had to stop, like I had to stop reading it because I just kept writing. Like I just kept writing. No, I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I want to read this. I want to just read this like a regular person instead of reading this to talk to you. So I just stopped and I kind of was like, man, I felt like I owed it to you to read the book. And I realized that like in, in this sort of like dynamic I was having, I was like, what comes across so clearly is that um, you have been so willing and able and successfully able to evolve, like your evolution, you don't get to the point of writing a book like this and having the information you do and doing the commencement speeches you do and interviews and, you know, speeches without having lived it, learned it and have that depth. And that's what I, that's what I want to talk about is, is just where did that willingness to evolve come from, as you just said about like, Hey, COVID happens. I've decided these things probably aren't going to change for me. And if it does, then I'll adapt to that too. But where, like, where does that willingness to evolve come from that bravery, essentially? Since one of the things I noticed when I was writing the book is that same damn questions that I was interested in and love that life. Who am I in it? Where am I going? What are we doing? What's about responsibility? What's about fate? What do you give a damn about? What do you not give a damn about? I was asking the same questions at 14 as I am now at 51. <laughs> my questions have evolved and my answers, I've had some answers, but it's not too many of those questions, but it hasn't made for fewer questions. Um, the, I've always been curious and about investigating who the heck I am mm. and what's my relationship with the world? What's my relationship with my past? The book, I've never had a great relationship with my past. I'm a guy that's like, boom, next. I don't even like watching all my, I don't even like watching my movies. I like making my movies a lot more than I like watching. I don't even, I don't even like to go back. I don't listen to any podcast I do, nothing. I don't like hearing my voice. I just, I do it and let someone else tell me how it was. Well, then I go back to the book and I'm like, oh, geez, man, I'm going to look back. I'm going to see things I was embarrassed about, shamed of. I'm going to see an arrogant little ass to where I was, a cocky little SOB and I went back and looked at it and all those things were true. But I found that most things I was embarrassed about, I actually laughed at. Most of the things I was ashamed about, I said, oh, I forgive you for that or already forgave myself for it. And then, I, and then I also saw that arrogant little SOB a few times where I was a little Mr. Know-it-all. But that read to notice that, oh, if you wouldn't have been so arrogant at that point, you wouldn't have had the confidence to put yourself in the position to get humble. So good on you for being an arrogant SOB at that time. Um, I just to, 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 to investigate 
myself, I think, I think that it can be true. And then on some extent it's true for everybody. What, I mean, why not really get to know as well as you can, the one person that you're stuck with, no matter what the ones, it's the one person you can't, the one person you're sleeping with every night, no matter who's in your bed, you know, why not shake hands with that person and go, sometimes it's a bloody wrestling match, mm. you know, and, and mm. sometimes you, I, I write about a lot of my times in solitude. It's not fun. <laughs> I'm not enjoying the company, me, mm-hmm. and we're going to have it out. It's like, put on the helmet, strap in the seat. Well, this is going to get rough and it's just me and me, but usually I'll get to a point where I go, okay. As I said, when I was saying that, looking back at the past, all right, you know, let's forgive yourself for this. And let's say the buck stops here. We're not doing that anymore. I'm not putting up with that part of who you are, Matthew. And let's move on because, hey, the one person I can't get rid of, we better figure out how to get along. And I don't know, that that journey, I feel like I can know other people better. I think we can all know other people, trust other people, believe in other people better if we trust and believe and know ourselves better. Well, we can't meet anyone at a level that we haven't achieved. We can't love anyone greater than what we love ourselves. We can't understand the aspects of humans until we've seen it in ourselves. Right. You, you're defining um, something that I've been working on for years and will continue working on the generosity of selfishness. You just said it. And mm. it, you can't do any of those things unless you do them for yourself. Take the Bible. Mm. Jesus says, what's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the one you want to take with the Bible? If you take any of them, love thyself as, love you, love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm-hmm. Got to bring it. And so today we go, oh, that's narcissistic. Oh my God, you egomaniac. But no, 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 no. There's a version of selfish. I understand that. That is for me, but not for anyone else. But the selfish you and I are talking about, the one you just defined, mm-hmm. is actually saying, no, the one, the, the dude, it's, it's the, it's the uh, um, what they say on the on the on the plane. If we lose cabin pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Over your home face first, or you won't be able to help someone else out. Your child, or whoever. What are some things that you have realized have been part of you? Um, what's the words you use? The generosity of your selfishness. What yeah. What are some things that uh, you've come to make peace with? that um, have transformed your view about this all, something you do different, something you added in, something you do for yourself that you know allows you to have the space and understanding to give it back, sure. give, give more. Getting my sleep. I'm a nine and a half hour night guy. <laughs> and, and so she will get up and do something, things in the morning earlier than me. And she says, no, I'd rather get up earlier than be around you with less than nine and a half hours sleep. <laughs> <laughs> go um, back to bed. Yes, go back go to bed. Back. I've got this. Go to sleep. I'm not going to be around <laughs> you today with less than nine and a half hours, right? Um, or my time in solitude. She's been very good at being someone who kind of can tell when my spider senses are going, I, I, I need to go get on the frequency again. I need to go get some quiet time. I need to go get away from all the noise. I need to hear myself think and form form some opinion. She'll at the same time or even before will come up to me and go, I think you need a little road trip with the YOU. And I'll be like, 
yeah, I think you're right. And she goes, get out, get out of here. And, 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 then, and then, of course, does the beautiful thing of going like, don't call me, nothing like that. And, of course, if you tell a man not to call you, and it's God. okay, we're going to call you all the time. <laughs> I have definitely made that mistake. I would, I, <laughs> I'm curious about this sort of the 21-day trips you do. Do you do them every year? It's not like a scheduled basis. How'd they start? They started um, by a particular, very particular dream. As dreams go, had a, what seemed to be a contradictory geography. There was two things that I knew. I had the dream once in 1992, I think. And then I had, and I remember waking up from it. And the irony of, of the dream wasn't lost on me, but I was like, that was weird. Four years later, I had the exact same dream again. I mean, the exact same frames in my mind. The dream lasted the exact same amount of time, and the outcome was the same. So then I went, I immediately knew when I woke up, that is the exact same dream I had four years ago. Okay, now somebody somewhere is telling me something. I got something I got to follow here. So what, you know, then you go, well, what do I know from the dream? Well, two things I knew was that I was on the Amazon River and the banks of the river all the way out through the horizon was lined with African tribesmen. So I go to the Atlas of Africa looking for the Amazon River. Well, as you know, you can look forever and you're not going to find it because it's the wrong continent. The Amazon's in South America. But in my dream, those are the two things I know. Go down there with a camp along and float the Amazon. So I pack up my bag and I go. And it was a 22-day trip. I come back and I'm like, ah, I fulfilled the dream. I got it. I learned it's a, lot of what's in, a lot of what's in the book came from the journals I kept on that, that trip down to uh, um, in South America and Peru. Great. Now, cut to 99, three years later. I have the exact same dream again, frame for frame, same outcome. And I wake up, I'm not going, whoa, okay, this must be meaning that I need to chase the second half of the dream, which were the African tribesmen. Oh. <laughs> so now I'm going, well, Africa's a mighty big continent. Where am I supposed to go? After a couple of days, sitting around, just kind of going, let it come to you, figure it out. I was listening to one of my favorite musicians, Ali Farkature, and I'm like, oh, he's African. Where's he from? Pulled out the liner notes, found it from Nia Funke, Mali. I'm like, well, there's my comp. There's my coordinate. There's my dot on the map. I'm going to go find Ali and see where the trip takes. So I got a ticket to uh, uh, Bamako, the capital of Mali, hitchhiked nine and a half hours to this little river trading town called, uh, um, what was it called? Uh, Mopti. Yeah. Wow. Um, kind of mostly on hanging on the side of a uh, a, a bus, um, <laughs> and then met a met a met a guy who spoke some broken English. Uh, said I want to go find Ali. The next day we were on a boat headed up river. Four days later, found Ali, um, and then was like, well, I don't know where to go now. I found my my. That's the only point on the map I had was to come find him, and now I found him, and we had lunch together and uh, hung out, and then that was over. And I was like, what do I do now? And the guide goes, there's a place. I think you need to see. And I took his lead and we went further up north and went hiking through the Banjiagara for another 18 days. And, and then that finished off that dream. And there's some great stories uh, as you keep reading in there from, from that trip. So that finished the dream. I have not had the dream again. I did go back though to Mali unannounced, showed up on that guide, my friend now, Isabello, showed up on his at his door um, five and a half years later and said, 
let's do the same trip. And we went back and saw all the same villages where all the kids were five and a half years older. Every adult I met was five and a half years older and did the exact same, exact same trip for 22 days. Um, Why'd you go back? Why'd you go back? Because that's a place where I've, I've felt more at home than I've ever, anywhere I've ever felt. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you ever have these feelings, but sometimes I'll have a feeling that you're in a, you know, you have that feeling of you're in a place you're like, I've been here. I've been here before. Is this deja vu or vu deja? You know, which <laughs> coming or going, I'm not sure. But it was one of those places where I was like, okay, I felt uh, mm. it really, it, it, that place baselines me more than anywhere else. Wow. Really, really baselines me. And uh, um, had some wild coincidences over there that also were like, Okay, I heard that. You know, uh, coincidences so, or well, exactly. You would call them that. I don't. I would. I don't. I think that would be not giving them enough credit. I'm uh, really curious as you're going through the story and these coincidences and these dreams and these signs. You know, being from Texas and having a, I would imagine a much more religious background in a little more conventional sense. And then going on these explorations, not only outside of sort of Texas and the States and whatever else, but inside. And it feels like there's not a way you can avoid a level of spirituality in this journey. So where do you land with all that? Um, well, I land with that there is no landing spot. <laughs> I land with, you know, I would consider myself an optimistic mystic now. Mm. Uh, um, I, I believe there's many paths to the same destination. I don't believe that it's over when someone's reading our eulogy and we're in our casket in this life. Um, so uh, what that is, is, you know, we'll find out, hell, I don't know. That's for sure. Nobody knows. That's what's so fun about it. Um, I, uh, um, you know, I land with that is, is what's my re relationship? What's the music I'm putting out and what's the reverb coming back? You know, soul's intention. So it feels so sound you know, when what we put out, what our soul puts out sort of comes boomerangs right back to us from the world. I'm like, yes, that's what I was. That's the music I was. That's the, you picked up the beat and threw it right back at me. And it's one long song we're singing in this life or beyond. Um, I, uh, um, you know, as far as relationship with um, my relationship with, with God, it's uh, I had a real, I had real trouble with that word humility and being humble for most of my life. I didn't know, I, I, I misinterpreted it, I think, for so long in that I didn't know how to have confidence while I was still humble. Like humble, I would be kind of uh, that false mm -hmm. modesty, which is complete, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. and actually arrogant and condescending in its, in its inverted way, you know. Um, and when I heard a definition that humility and being humble is about admitting and knowing that you have more to learn. I went, oh, now that I can purchase. That I can still stand head high, heart high, shoulders back, look you in the eye 
and carry forward and understand that I've built things in my life and I'm carrying them with me and I, let's go courageously into the future. Um, but until I got that little click of what that word meant, uh, you know, my relationship spiritually was sort of on and off, on and off a little bit more. Um, I do. I've also also found this. This is another metaphor for, I think, not only my relationship spiritually, but a lot of people's. I found that when I put other things like my career or, 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 or you know, uh, if when that's not the top of the ladder, that's not the number one thing of my what I've got to achieve. When it moves down to two or three behind, say, family and faith. I'm better at it. I get more results. I win more trophies, uh, you know, when I lower it down the echelon. Um, You know, and, you know, I've always thought about you can't sort of throw that on just anybody because you got to have a work ethic and you got to be ambitious and you got to want it. Right. Cause you throw that on some, some people they are like, Oh, that means I, I kind of half-ass it. I don't have to really, no, 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 no. You don't have it. You, you actually, you, you want it and want to do, you do the work to, to get the results you want as much or more, but you're more focused because it's not what is going to give you solely give you your identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's a humility in that, which is also about, you know, um, uh, you know, when you're number two, it's, 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 it's what I like about going to church. I'm uh, on Sunday. I need, it's about time. I come out of church on Sunday. I'm ready to, let's go put some things into practice this week. Let's be, let's see if we can really apply these things of some lessons I've learned. And I'm good for Monday. I'm solid on Tuesday. I'm solid on Wednesday. Starts to fade a little bit on Thursday, a little bit more on Friday. Ooh, Saturday. Come on Sunday. I need you again. <laughs> you know, so, so I, I, I uh, um, you know, I try to check in um, with a lot of gratitude. My daily practice is trying to be full, full of gratitude. And, I'm, and I believe that actually gratitude can breed responsibility, which is what I believe breeds freedom. That the more things you're thankful for, you're going to have more things that you're going to tend to, that you're going to give a damn about, that you're not going to take for granted that you're going to maintain instead of just letting it break and buying a new one. You know what I mean? That you, you gratitude that breeds that responsibility. And if you start taking responsibility, I think that's the right responsibilities lead to true, to true freedom. Mm. It's this getting to the giving part. It's uh, it's um, the gratitude. It's sort of like the selflessness, but were there some moments or stories that you're like, were transformative for you, where you had an experience and it gave you some, a feeling, an insight, a shift that you couldn't come back from again? Yes. Um, and there's ones that I've probably forgotten that at the time I knew they were real. And I said, don't you ever forget this. You know how it is. That old truth lands on us like a butterfly and a lightning bolt at the same time. <laughs> that is and you. You know what I mean? And you know, it's true and you know that it's timeless and you know that it was true long before you were ever here. And it'll be true long after you're gone. So you better hang on to it, maintain that thing, polish it. But then the hard part comes. Now we got to go re-enter the rodeo of life mm. <laughs> in the Coliseum. Hundreds of thousands, millions, billions. Oh, how do I maintain my solitude walking through this? 
Yeah. And slowly. <laughs> that's the best. That, that's, 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 the best. Where the, that's where the rubber's on the road right there. That's right. Love it. Love it. Rubber to the road. I mean, that, I mean, I heard you talking about that where, you know, it's, it's um, that you even considered that maybe you should be a monk. And then is this true? Yeah. Yeah, I did. That's a very interesting thing to think you might, maybe should be. Yeah. I thought, you know, and I, I, it wasn't a fleeting thought. Heck, I still think about it. It still crosses my mind. But my good friend, Brother Christian, who is a monk, actually talked to me and he was like, I don't think you should become a monk. I go, why? He goes, you, 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 you put it here to communicate. Mm. You need to be out doing what you're doing. You're here to travel, communicate, and have relationships with people and create art, things like that. that don't go take that what you can be doing that, that's a gift you've got. Don't, don't take that away and come back and just hermitize up, you know? Um, but, uh, I mean, I have, I have a great reverence for people who commit their life to God or commit their life to daily going. It's, it, I'm, if I want to daily stay in prayer, I want to daily see, you know, God in every natural living thing. I want to daily see things that I go, oh, that's of God. I I, I reverence and uh, for 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 people that that commit their, themselves to that. This reminds me of um, I interviewed Jay Shetty um, a few weeks ago, and maybe you've done a podcast. You've talked to him. He has a book called Think Like a Monk. He used to be a monk, and then they yep. told him the same thing. You need to go like you need to get into the world. You need to not stay here. You are meant to get this message out. So then it leads me to wonder, it's a really key, you know, what do you think your purpose is? Yeah. What is, what are you here to do? Great question. I am asking myself that all the time. Um, I'll, I'll bring up that word that, that uh, I just used a minute ago, the brother Christian had told me communicate. I mean, I, I could unpack that word in many different ways for hours um, cause there's so many ways we do it and, 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 and how we communicate with the relationships that we have in our life. As I said earlier, with our past, with our future, with people, with places, uh, with hopes, with dreams, with how do we, how do we, you know, what's our relationship with failure? Um, um, and how do we communicate that those in those with ourselves? Um, how do we deconstruct that sort of, how do we see the perspective? All right. There's a lot of things perspective, um, is is huge. Um, mm-hmm. My purpose. Well, I, I know that this may not be the answer, but I'm I'm a storyteller. That's that's what I always. When I first went to film school, before I ever started acting, I just said I remember saying I just want to be in the storytelling business. If I could make a living telling stories, whew, how fun would that be? How cool would that be? And to this day, 20, 30 years later. I still consider myself, I'm in the storytelling business. Um, and if I can tell a story in a way, which I've been told, I, I did so in the book, that you can go, oh, that's more than just a good story. Yes, that was entertaining, absolutely. But also it enlightened me in this way. It educated me in this way. It made me think about myself. It gave me more questions or confidence or made me say, I'm gonna reapproach this thing. Um, I, you know, so 
you know, I, I, uh, I'm for stories being for, for entertainment solely, and there's great value in that. But I'd also, I also like stories that I can go, why can I take something that into my own life? And I'm going to go out and give that a boot. I'm going to try that out and see what that music is. It comes back to me. If a more true music comes back to me, if I apply that and take that in the way that I see the world and the way that I wake up in the morning, the way that I look my wife in the eye first thing in the morning, the way I embrace my kids first thing, what, then what do I get back? And I usually find that, you know, and I don't follow it all the time, but I'm still, you know, working on it. As I said, I don't think I'm ever landing. I don't think we ever have a Tata moment. Um, and I think that's the point. Um, but you know, you, 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 when you get that reciprocity back to you and you are catching green lights, you are feel like you are on your frequency. You are dancing through the world. You're taking the tough stuff and you're dancing by it and through it and handling it. And you're taking the good stuff with grace and confidence and compounding assets to the future when that's happening. And you're do actually doing more. It's a very selfish thing to experience because it feels good. People talk about charities, you know, it's a selfish endeavor to give. I selfishly feel great when a child at our foundation eyes light up and goes, you're the, you're the first person that's ever done something for me that's not asking for something back and you don't even know me. Why? Thank you. That's a, me feeling good selfishly feels good. So, Again, there are selfless acts that can be very selfish and there are selfish acts that can be very selfless at the same time. Um, but I'm still working on my, 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 you know, purpose. As I said, I don't, you know, I think if we get, if, 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 if more of us could get less result oriented at the same time, have a result out there. I'm a big, I like writing the headline first and then trying to live the story to the headline. You know, I like that, but I also have had great satisfaction in my life by jumping off the cliff and saying, hell, I'm going to have to figure out how to fly on the way down. And it seems to be that life's a balance of those two and both are a risk though. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question about what my purpose is, but those are some. some Yeah, you did. I mean, I mean, yes. And it's your answer. Anything that you answered that's true to you right now is your truth. It is your answer. And it's welcome. And it's, totally okay to, for it to evolve and change. In fact, mm-hmm. it's beautiful if it does. Mm-hmm. I think it shows, uh, uh, it shows that you're not rigid. It's, it shows that you don't, um, you're open to change. And so I think that that's probably what's allowed you this sort of space to evolve. And um, as I said, I think that's, that's the thing that came through the most is I was like, you don't know about all this stuff because you haven't said yes to evolving. And saying, yeah, I don't believe that anymore. Or I didn't believe it. And guess what? It's come back around. And now I see it from, I see it with new eyes. And so, but storytelling got me thinking about um, your, about your movies. And as a storyteller, are you doing it through the movie you choose, the roles you choose, or whatever it is that you bring to that character. Like I'm thinking about like for, for me, I just, as, as, as something I have to say, I have three favorite movies, um, contact Lucy and interstellar. Okay. So that perhaps give you an insight into my sort of like, yeah, 
what I'm into. Oh, and we and we've we've just sure been covering uh, some contacts and some interstellar uh, ideas here in the last thirty minutes. And so, do you choose those roles because that's sort of part of your storytelling to be a right. part of those, or how does it work? Well, I mean, it's come, those. For instance, those two choices of the two of the two of those films that you just mentioned in your top three that I've been in. So, I get famous right after Time to Kill comes out. Whew. Overnight, in, well, in 48 hours, it went from before Time to Kill opened, there's 100 scripts there I want to do. Man, I'll do any of them. 99, no, you can't. One, yes, you can't. Over 48 hours in one weekend of a successful big blockbuster major studio hit like Time to Kill was, it inverted. Monday morning after that weekend, Time to Kill opened, it was those 100 scripts that were 99 no's, one yes, were now 99 yeses. One no. And I was like, wait a minute. You mean 48 hours ago, I'd have done any of these and I couldn't do any of them. And now you're telling me I can do all of them and you want me to decide? Whoa. So I took one of those trips, that first one to Peru. Because so I was like, I got to hear myself think, man. You're asking me to have some discernment when now the world has opened up over me and my feet are feeling a little bit off the ground, understandably so. So I chose to do, I think one of the next movies I did was Contact. And the reason was I've always been interested in this. Uh, um, I've always believed that science is the practical pursuit of God. And there was this story and I was like, oh, I want to be in the place of the believer to Jodie Foster's science and try to show that this is, these are not contradictions. These are a paradox, that these two coexist, um, which... A lot of us still don't see see that or believe that. Um, so I, I remember thinking of that as a philanthropic choice. I remember saying, this is a story that should be shared with the world. If I can be a part of this is a good message to get out there. Oh, and I get to be an actor and portray the side that I lean towards in the movie. Um, it was the same reason I'd done Amistad. I was like, oh, this is a piece of world history and American history that should be shared and boy, if you could, you know, a history lesson packed in entertainment, not a not a not a old dusty book that gets so damn boring to learn the same facts. And so those were two like philanthropic choices of personal beliefs and stories that I thought should be shared. Um, Interstellar. You know, let me say this. Here's what I here's what I learned from contact. I remember writing this down. It's in one of the journals. I remember finishing contact and writing down, well, God's backyard is bigger than I thought. So we go to Interstellar. That's years later. And I was a father. At the heart of that story is a father and his children, specifically a father and a daughter. And that great conflict of what, would you, if, if you do what you were born to do, which Cooper was born to be an astronaut, a pilot, that's what he was, that was his purpose. But yet it means you've got to leave, abandon, go chase your dream, but miss the fatherhood part and be away from your kids, especially your daughter, for that amount of years. Would you do it? It's a good, it's great. Would you do it? It's a great question. Um, and then the fact that Christopher Nolan, um, who's 
so good at the epic expanse of world and short of uh, when he's at his best goes from intimate, like heartfelt things like that. What I just told you, a father and a daughter, which could be in an independent movie, you know what I mean? For no budget to this, this massive expanse of epic scope uh, to go. I, I always grew up thinking that, 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 you know, I was only going to, I would be an astronaut before, uh, be a sailor before an astronaut. Meaning like, oh, up there, too far away, I'm not going to think about it. So I was always, that's the pragmatic side of me. Everything's like, well, just deal. Like, it was, I remember telling my dad at 14, I was like, dad, I just like, you know, if it's, it's I'm Army before a Air Force. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I want to deal with stuff on the ground right in front of me. I don't even, I'm not even, that's it. Well, something like contact opens that up a little bit, but then Interstellar opens it up, which says, oh, let's say there's other worlds up there which we're finding out are becoming more of a reality where we used to only talk about the moon now the moon sounds like oh that's just down the road let's talk about mars you know what i mean so we're reaching out into this new frontier and and you know talk about our futures that seems to be where the next real estate is coming from out there you know so likely is interstellar to be a reality yeah right uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's not not for me to say. I don't know. But yeah, so that was just another one. I thought it was, I don't know if I thought it was philanthropic. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I thought it was like, man, this is a, a big Chris Nolan action film with a lead who's a father at the heart and father being the only thing I ever knew I ever wanted to be in my life anyway. It's like, I'd, I, I'd like to dive into that scenario. I'd like to dive into that, have true love for a child, but then also be almost selfish enough to go, but I, but I, but I got a chance to do what I, what I, what I was put here to do. Mm. I got a chance to do something no one else has ever done. That's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a great, a great challenge right there. Mm. Well, one thing that comes across very early in the book um, and even in the things that you are saying um, about these movies is that, you know, this existence that you have, which is really quite a lot of duality and you really, um, t- touching both sides of the whole a lot, right. you know, and, um, I'm very curious about that. If this is something learned, is this something you learned from your parents? Because clearly that was pretty, um, love hate at times and, and, um, dramatic as they were remarried each other three times. They married each other three times twice to each other. So is this something that you learn from them or do you feel as though this is something in your soul that you just have to touch both sides? Um, a little bit of both, probably more the second, Mm. but I haven't thought about it till now, but yeah, the extremes, it has something to do with this because yeah, my mom and dad are an example of extremes. <laughs> of course, i married three times, all right? But by sheer mathematics, what ended up? Well, the love won. If you call that love hate, hate got twice and love won got three. Three to two, hate you lose. Now, do you need to have five battles? <laughs> I hope not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, they had a lot friend, of endurance. They had a lot of endurance for the lesson. They did, but also here's here's where my parents were that maybe subconsciously I, 
I noticed it because I never consciously noticed it. But I'm like, they didn't see it as extreme. They, they like, resilience is probably the top thing that was ingrained in us and in me as, as, as a kid. And boy, they're an example. My mom and dad are an example of it. I mean, hell, I even venture to go, how much was that one of those, how much were those divorces about just wanting to have another honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of exciting when you think about it like that. I mean, because they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we need some, you know, what Dolly Parton recently say? What's, what's, what's the great thing about her marriage, how it lasts? Because we got time away from each other and we love coming back. Like, I didn't know they were divorced. I thought mom was on extended vacations in Navarre Beach, Florida. Well, this is where your wife is obviously playing a huge role to tell you, um, <clears throat> you need to go. Yes. And, and she, she'll know. So like I said, sometimes before I know. Um, and, you know, we all, uh, we, so yeah, Camilla and I try to practice as well. We just won't, don't want to go. We don't want to go as far as saying, hey, let's get divorced. You need to get remarried. Hang on. We, let's not go that far. But my mom and dad loved, my mom's 88 with us now to this day. If a conversation like this is going well for 30 minutes, she starts getting antsy. She's got to throw a wrench in here somewhere. Come on. Pizzazz this thing up. Come on. And, make, and you're like, gosh, dang, not, nothing you hate worse than an easygoing moment. <laughs> she's still, but that's also why she's so healthy at 88. She chooses, has always chosen the path of most resistance. I mean, she's the one that, that this lady's beat two types of cancer on aspirin. She's the one that goes and, and, and like can get a root canal and won't take even gas. And so it's like, come on, bring it on. And I'm like, I don't want that much pain. She's just like, do it. I don't want a pain pill. I don't want gas, nothing. Get it. And the doctors are going, I'm telling you, man, this is going to, she's like, do it. This is that, this is that lady. This is, this is a, this is a mother that, you know, when I had tubes in my ears as, as a child and would have to get them removed, you could either, Surgically get them removed, which you, they either they, I don't know if they put you under because I never did it that way. But it was all it was like and it was about you know a two thousand dollar job to get the tubes put. Or you could sit there in the chair and the doctor could reach in tweezers and boom pull them and your eardrum just goes kapoosh, and it hurts like a earthquake. But it only cost three hundred dollars. And so on the way drive down there every time she'd be like, if you do the one where you sit in the chair and you just let them pull them out, it'll hurt more. But We'll get some TC by, TCBY yogurt on the way home. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> but I got my yogurt on the way home. <laughs> this is for the sprinkles, honey. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there, there were extremes, but, you know, you know, here's another thing that's inherent in this conversation about their relationship that maybe I, 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 I did notice. Forgiveness. I forgive you. Mm. Now let's move on. Let's carry on. See how much, see if we can, see if we can stay married a while longer. Mm. Years later, eh, can't do it. God damn it. Well, again. can't live with you again. Oh shit. I miss you now. You miss me. Yeah. Oh, come on back. Let's do this again. I forgive you. Come on. That's, that's how they, and that was in motion. That was not, neither one of them went away and like in the divorces, they were not, Woe be me. I didn't notice a difference in their moods. I didn't know a difference in their moods. I didn't notice they were unhappy or going through a tough time. And hell, I'm not even sure they were. 
Just kind of say la vie. Just let's roll with it. Let's do what we got to do. So, yeah, there was great duality and, and great dynamics that I grew up seeing. Um, and then on the second part, it is something that, 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 that I lean into. And it's that paradox that I keep bringing up. I think that's where, I think that's where it is, actually. Not the contradiction, but the paradox that hey, both are true and instead of or. Um, instead of it? what's the it there, it's where it is. What's it? It that the 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 closest we can get to that. Ta da! Ah, mm. meaning I'm talking about what we see is contradictory. We talked about selfish, selfless. We talked and where are the the coolest prophets? What did they have? They had where the best decision for the I was the best decision for the we. What is, I would say, my definition of heaven, if there is a heaven, what I hope it would be. And what is it on earth? where what you want is actually what you need. And what you need is actually what you want. Think about that. If we, if what we desired and just lustfully wanted was also what was the best for us. There's a spot where those two meet. Mm. Really, I think can be difficult or maybe it's just too simple. To get to the maybe it's too simple to for us to even give enough credit, but that's the place that I want to chase down. I'm I'm sure as heck not there, you know. But boy, that place I'm like that's the honey hole. That's the sugar. <laughs> well, you know? that's where you you know this makes me think of this whole dynamic of the of like judgment and denial. Um, something I've been working with a lot lately is this you know, what the things that I judge representing the things that I'm denying in myself. And so say that you want something, if you can sort of feed that urge, you can either appease it and learn where you, the balance is for you, or it just shifts your trajectory, right? Yeah. You either come back for you, either way you're learning and you're, you are um, becoming more whole by scratching the itch. Yes. Yes. And and I think even more so is going or even to jump on the back side of what you just said, which is a life full of scratching your itches is as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. That's it. And if we can find some or have new itches, we don't want to have the same itch all the time because that's like, well, why do I keep doing the same damn thing? Mm -hmm. But we can have a little bit of evolution. And as we get a little bit better and we, we you know, how does what happens when you get we, we reach a goal? You don't go, oh, I did it. Done. Bye. Go, well, here comes 50. Here comes 100 new challenges. I got 100 new itches. You know, which one do I, or, or, or that itch, the original itch became a bigger itch because you got to the next level. And you're like, wow. And I think the idea that most of us have that, oh, once you scratch the itch, then it's over. Or once you found your frequency, you're in the zone. Ah, I got it. Ta-da. Uh -uh. <laughs> that won't go away, too. If you have any ambition, that one's going away. Look, I admire people that go, no, man, I got my frequency. I don't want any more or less. I'm staying right here. I'm like, man, 
really? Okay. Well, bravo. And they can be like that. But I'm not one of those people. I'm like, well, what's next? Yeah. What's more? What does more mean? How much is it quantity? How much is it quality? Um, what is the measure? What's my measurement of my currency? Am I filling my bank account and my soul's account? <laughs> you know? Um, so I'm always wanting to go. And it's, it, it, but, I, but I'm learning that. I call it, I call it chasing yet. We're never getting there. And if we realize you never, never get it's never done. No, it's not done. Life's a verb. And if we can scratch our edges all the way and just keep going, I was brave enough to go get the poison ivy again or get a new itch, whatever that is, or and and I'm and I'm and I'm courageous enough to go, hang on, I'm gonna scratch that thing. Woke me up again last night. And then go, why? That's what we're gonna do until we're at until we're gone. And that's as good as it gets, we can say, okay, it's the, it's the game that the whistle doesn't blow until I'm out of here. And they say, here's your eulogy. You know, I mean, I, I, because we love our immediate gratification. We want to know and have it all right now. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not, again, that, that taught off moment, I don't think is exists. Mm, the joys in the journey. To me, this is the heart in my mind, because again, we, we all see life through our own personal lens. Like that's what this book is to me. When I think of that, con that conversation that, that what you just said is green lights. It is right. intuition. It is how do you know where to go next? That to me, the, mm -hmm. that, that was, that's your book right there. Green lights. How do you know where to go and when to go there? Heard. Okay. Yeah. And Obviously, so many times we don't know. Um, I talk in the book a lot about process of elimination to put us, you know, if you get rid of the things that don't feed us, that aren't true for us, you will end up mathematically with more options in front of us that are true to ourselves. But also, um, an underutilized one that, that, that I forget to bring up and nobody ever really else brings up is sometimes it's about just, you got A and B? Just pick one and commit to it. Yeah. <laughs> Just pick one and go. And it, because how many times we look around and go, hey, I'm not sure. Well, and all of a sudden you look up and it's years later and you're still going, hey, or B, I'm not sure. You're like, oh, geez, the world changed. It's not even A or B anymore. If you just picked one, picked a lane, you know, to use to use a, a term that calls back to, to, to green light and, and, what, and what you do is like, Pick a lane, man, and go. Just go on the lane. I don't know if it's the right one. Okay, good, but drive. Go. Mm -hmm. Commit to it. Because a lot of times it's not even about the choice as much as it's like, well, just pick one. Really not going to matter. It's, it's the, the difference in the choice. Again, the contradiction in that you seem in the choice is not really such a contradiction. Just pick one. Commit to it. And find out along the way. Mm. It, um, uh, you said once that the 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 dialogue you have to have the dialogue to have the monologue yeah. and that kind of that kind of thing that you said that's what i think of because it's it's how do you know where to go and sometimes you just you have to set that beacon way out there it's like follow the lights way out there and it doesn't really matter if you wander six lanes that way or you know detour through you know santa fe new mexico you're you're headed to the coast if you can just go 
Well, it's north, south, east, or west. Let me just pick one of those. <laughs> uh, whatever that entails about in our, our course direction in life. Just pick that and then give yourself, like I say, give yourself 16 lanes with which to swerve all over in. Take the exits, the feeder roads, everything. All just, and if you're heading that direction, then you can forget about and not worry about the fact that Oh, I'm not going the opposite way. Okay, good. As long as I just keep going in this direction towards that star, that's I'll find out here along the way. It's sort of a safety net, you know? I want to hear what your best and worst detour has ever been. What's your best and worst veer? Like when you veered way too far one direction or way too far the other, what was the, what was the best one that you led you, like got you, it like, it was like going warp speed. You got NOS for a second when you made this decision. And then the other one that you go, well, you know, that was a bit of a shit storm, but I learned a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let me say this. After I took, I took a couple years off. I'm going to give you one that's on career. Both these had to do with career times. But I took about two years off, not because I wanted to, because I wasn't getting the offer of the movies I wanted to do. And I wasn't going to do what I was doing, which was the rom-coms at that time. So I said, I'm going to wait for the dramatic fair that I want to come in front of me. And I didn't know if it would. Well, two years later, uh, after not working at all in Hollywood and getting no offers, they did come. And boy, when they did. I was salivating, man. I mean, my things came out. I was like, oh, now, because I remember back in 96, after Time to Kill, the world opened up, and I was like, whoa, you, I, I'm not sure what I want to do here. For the first time, I can do what I want. Well, this time, when this happened, and now all of a sudden it opened up, and I was able to start doing what I wanted, I was like, oh, no, I'm steering this ship. I know what the hell I want to do. I'm going to do this, and I want that, and I want that, that clarity. And then giving myself the ownership to say and look myself in the mirror and go, you know, man, you know, don't ask anybody else's advice. You know, McConaughey, just do it. They've given me myself that, that the, the leverage to have that confidence and just say, go for the experience. And I remember saying, cause I chose a lot of films that weren't necessarily paydays. Um, but I remember writing son right now. I was like, buck the bucks. I'm going for the experience. And doing that, putting my head down, not even thinking about the result, going, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, my hands are in the clay, man. I'm going, here we, I'm tasting this. All of a sudden, what happens? Boop, boop. Those results start coming in. Trophies and accolades. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. That was taking that ownership um, was a big sort of oh, really owning that with extreme confidence and even obsession to give myself the right and mind you, to have a family and a wife that also gave me the right to go, yes, be obsessed. Be obsessed. Um, was a courageous move that really paid off for me. Now, let me give you a little one where a little courageous, great, new, bright idea did not work out so well. <laughs> yes. So, I am in... Uh, going through a period of my career early, early, early in my career before time to kill all that, but I'm out in Hollywood and I'm going through a period of about eight months where I'm, 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 I'm get going in, I'm auditioning for a role. I get a call back, but then I don't get another call back. I'm just not landing parts. And every time I leave every audition, I'm like, you kind of left something in the back, man. You kind of, you know, when you come out and you feel like, yeah, I gave it 85%. What did I left 15% or 10% on the floor? Damn it. Why didn't I take that risk? There was that moment I could have taken advantage of. And as soon as I thought, oh, well, should I, would I, could have, it was gone. 
that, that film. So I kept coming out of the scenes going, damn it. Well, at this time was the first time that someone started to introduce to me what acting was. Now, I'd never taken acting lessons. So, you know, it is when you have to learn something for the first time that you already have instincts for, mm. there's, a, there's an awkward period mm. where you're getting literally heady about something that you, through your ignorance and instincts before, were just, you're built for it. And now wait, you want me to understand the minutiae, how it works? You know, and so when you're learning that, there's a passage, you know, that's usually pretty complicated uh, for sports. You know, a new defensive coordinator comes in. You know, you want to you're going to learn a new defensive package. That first year when a football team has a new D.C., probably they're not going to be a very good defense because they're out there thinking about it. Now, the next year after they've been in the system, oh, I understand the playbook. I've had the reps. Now it's instinctual and I'm a better player than I was when I was only off of going off of innate instinctual ability. Yeah. Well, I get cast in this role in this movie. No audition. Come in, one day roll. It's this you're playing this drug runner on the Mexican border in Texas, and the coyotes are gonna bring drugs over and 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 they think you're gonna pay them, but you don't pay them because you you shoot them all and steal the drugs and go. That's this that's the byline for the, the scene. Well, I get this idea and I go, hey, you know, I haven't I've been being kind of tight lately. I'm kind of heady. I'm not getting auditions. I need to go back and act the way I did when I first began in Days Confused, when I had never taken an acting class, when three lines turned into three weeks work because I knew my man. And I just showed up in scenes and said and did what my man would do. Yeah, I need to go back there when there wasn't a script. I'm a naturalist. I'm an improver. Ding! Right idea, right? So, I decide on this script for this movie that I've just been offered, this role is that drug runner, it, that I'm not going to read the script. Not only am I not going to read the script, I'm not going to read the scene. I just need to know the scenario. I need to know my man, and I'll do and say what my man would do. Great idea, right? Yep, everything's full going ahead. This is a great idea. This is, this is the new you, Matthew. This is the way to do it. This is who you are. I show up. I'm on set that day. I'm on my mark. The other actors are there. I'm not even talking to them because, hey, they're the coyotes that I'm about to kill, take the from. I'm just there. I'm going to do what my man would do. Bring it on. We're about to shoot the take. I've not read the script. I've not read the scene. The production assistant walks by and says, Mr. McConaughey, would you like some sides? You know, that miniature version of your, of your scene that day. Well, evidently, I had a little insecurity about my plan because I said, yeah, let me see the sides. <laughs> so I grab them and right before the take, I go, let me have a peek at it because you know what? If it's written well, it'll be like, well, obviously that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to do. And if it's not written well, I'll just do what my man would do, which was my original plan. Well, I open these sides. I'm on my mark about to shoot the scene. I open these sides. I look at page one. Uh, page two. Page three. Page four. And I remember saying to everyone and no one in particular, uh, can I get 12 minutes? <laughs> My thinking was 12 minutes would be not long enough time to be uh, inconsiderate to the crew. Mm -hmm. But it might also be enough time for me to learn and memorize a four-page monologue sure. in Spanish. Oh, God. Because, hey, I took Spanish for one semester in the 11th grade. <laughs> Holy shit. 
oh my gosh, this bead of sweat comes up on the back of my neck and I go walk off for 12 minutes and I don't let anyone know that I'm, you know, I'm weeing in my pants here going, what in <laughs> the hell? Oh my God. I came back, I did the scene, I've never watched the movie. I don't know what I did, but I was so damn embarrassed that I was not prepared. That mm. that day is where I learned the lesson. No, 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 big boy. You prepare so you can have the freedom. You put in the work so you can play. And uh, the preparation since that day for me and my career has been one of my greatest strengths. The amount of time I'll prepare. The amount of time I'll go over my playbook. The, the confidence to come in and the ownership of my man, as I call him, to be able to call audibles on the set with whatever anybody gives me because I'm that prepared. And I learned it the hard way that day. Wow. What an incredible story. It actually leads perfectly into something. I'm, I'm curious if you will go to this space or not, if you're willing. Um, but you've mentioned the word a couple of times in this interview. And I thought actually before, before this was something that I wanted to ask you. Um, and so I thought it was kind of a, a sign that you had mentioned this word a couple of times for me to ask it, but in preparation, in the light of preparation, I'm curious if you can enter this space where you would be able to uh, basically wing a, your eulogy. Basically, wing, what? Wing your eulogy. Wing my eulogy. Yeah, go for it. Like whatever. <laughs> like, reverse engineer your life from the end, and and. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay, boy, I tell you what, he sure did. How do did, you want to be remembered? He sure did revere fatherhood. And you know what? He was a damn good father. He uh, he sure did take risk. Damn, he had a good sense of humor. He never half-assed. He actually didn't know how to half-ass something. Boy, not knowing what would happen if he took a certain, if he took risk, bugged him a heck of a lot more than it did to taking the risk and failing. Man, you don't see many people that, that that actually start giggling so so soon after they step in shit, do you? Damn, he'd start giggling right away because I remember him saying, well, if I don't giggle and I get ticked off, it doesn't mean if I get ticked off instead of giggling, it doesn't mean I didn't step in the shit. I still stepped in the shit. So let's start giggling quicker. Um uh, he was at home at the home in the world. You know what? He loved to go to a place and say, whatever it is, whether it was camping out or in the deserts of Mali or in the Shangri-La, he, he liked to go and go stay here until I, he believed he could live here. Have try to create relationships, friendships, find the love of his life where you can go. Are they a friend? Are they someone that he that he cared about that he could spend the rest of their life being friends with or married to or father to. Um, and then, you know what else he did a lot of guys? Hey, that relationship he worked on more than any was the one with himself. And that's why, that's why he was friends with me. And that's that last part would be if that was there's a, there's a Charles Lawton had this quote. I said it in my Oscar speech and my teacher, my, my, my great late 
teacher, Penny Allen, used to say it to me. Her husband always say, well, if you got God in your life, if you got God, then you got a friend. And that friend is you. So, yeah, that's that's that was my 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 eulogy rap. <laughs> that's awesome. That's you living it. You're doing it. Trying to, you know, it's like as you know, it's constant maintenance as we've been talking about this whole time. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, it's 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 sometimes you know things are when things are going. Well, I mean, I know in my own life, or sometimes you have a, I have anyway, I had, you know, non-deserving complex, like, wait, why me? Why this? Um, and because I actually like, even to this day at 51, with whatever I've accomplished and success I've had, I like, I'd rather feel like the underdog. I don't, even if I'm number one on the call sheet or, First in line, I, I I want I like just going on, and maybe that's going remind us of no, it's it's fleeting, it's fleeting. You still got to stay on the stay, stay on the sniff, man. Stay on it, you know. Keep working, keep breaking the sweat on that, whatever that is. Um, I do like that position of the underdog, at least especially in a in a mentality. And when I was talking about earlier, definition of humility, I'm still I'm, I've learned and I'm still learning how to. When, if I'm a, consider myself an underdog and win, to own the fact that I won, even though I was an underdog. The humility. It'll be, it's going to be really interesting to see what's, what's coming up, up next. You know, I've got, I got three children, family, and Camilla and I are doing well. My mom's with us. She's 88. Brother, still close to them. Um, you know, how many new goals will I have coming up? From now, I'm uh, I'm not sure because a lot of it, as you know, as you go through life, it's not a necessarily about always about getting a new goal. It's about well, how do I let the roots go wider and deeper within the one that I'm in the midst of achieving. Totally. Um. But I just hope there's still enough out there, and it seems that there is enough in reality to keep getting off to. And I think there is. What's your next green light? My next green light, Friday night. Oh, fun. Yeah, I agree. Still my favorite <laughs> day of the week. I mean, I still get excited about Friday nights like I did when I was 16 in high school. Friday night. I'm still. <laughs> so Friday nights when we let the uh, uh, um, kids stay as late as they want. Come on, let's get it on on Friday night. Um and uh, yeah, hanging with the family and doing whatever we do and getting out the ice cream and watching movies and everything else on a Friday night. Is there drinks on Friday night? You're damn right there's drinks on Friday night. What drink do you drink? Well, I'll start off with a little tequila and I'll end up with a little long branch bourbon. Friday Sounds night. Sounds like you got a fun Friday night ahead of you. Friday, Friday night, like I like it when fr Friday nights merge into Saturday mornings. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's possible in the house. Does that oh. happen at home with just with Camilla, with your mom, with the kids? We got enough room right here where after 12, we can get the drums out. Camilla and I can shindig it up. Does she play? Does she play or sing or anything? No, we, we dance, like dance, more dancing. I'll, I'll be on the drums. 
Does she drink the bourbon and the uh, and the tequila with you? Sure does. God, I love love. I can tell you're in love. It's so beautiful. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's maybe that's uh, maybe that's that's the space we're all meant to find. You're a really impressive human. You you get it. You you as much as I mean, this is the humility that you said you want to have. You you get it. I mean, I'm just telling you. I'm reflecting that back to you. You do. Thank you for sharing that and being the storyteller. Well, enjoy your Friday night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoyed talking to you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, too. It's really nice to meet you. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.